Porter fires a three. He's got it over. everyone it's your boy james back with the everything cavaliers podcast how are you guys doing today tonight whenever you're listening to this thank you for tuning in we have a pretty interesting show if i do say so myself um but first of all you know with all this corona nonsense going on i hope you guys and your families are all safe and are actually practicing social distancing so we can hopefully get some basketball back soon and just any sort of normalcy really um kind of going crazy over here just being cooped up in the house as i'm sure a lot of us can relate to but with that being said with no basketball or really any live entertainment whatsoever being on uh, and luckily the Cavs are bad so the draft is a topic it's a thing uh we've looked forward to it for a while now so i wanted to do a deep dive into the potential prospects that the Cavs could take wherever they may fall in the draft. I think the lowest they can drop is, I think, six or seven. Hopefully they don't drop that low, but you never know with these new odds. They don't really (laughs) favor the teams that are at the top. But I did a poll on my Twitter, and if you're not following me, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, Follow me at underscore everything Cavs. I'm really active on there, even with all of this With everything going on, I try and be as active as possible, and I put up a poll on which prospect, you know, you guys wanted to see first, and just barely edging out, Obi Toppin was Anthony Edwards, so let's get right into it. Um, Kind of the things that I like most about him are, you know, number one is his physical gifts, right? I think everyone can agree that's his number one attribute at this point. You know, he's 6'5", with a 6'9 wingspan, he's 225 pounds, really solidly built. He's really the ideal two-guard build at this point. Long arms, really athletic, can explode, won't get bumped off his spots really easily, strong frame, and he's the seventh youngest prospect in this draft, if I am not mistaken. It's kind of scary to think what his quote-unquote man body will look like, because you know a lot of players... I mean, they're not fully developed at 18. Nobody is. Um, but there, there, there are some 26, 27-year-olds that would, you know, they wish they had Anthony Edwards' body now. And, you know, I, it's kind of scary to think of what him at, like, 27, 28 is going to look like physically and if he continues to develop and stuff like that. Um, and his athleticism, as I said, it's really explosive, uh, especially off two feet any slow-footed bigs or late rotations they're going to they're going to get put in the rim. Um there's just no way around it. He's he's going to put you in the rim and you're going to be on Sports Center later that night. Um and you're you're going to be on Slam and Ball's Life and all all of that good stuff. So you better be on your P's and Q's when you are uh guarding Anthony Edwards and his physical gifts were his biggest strength uh so far through his entire career. And I would imagine going forward, at least the early part of his career, it's going to be his biggest asset as well. So going into more skill-based things um, offensively. So what I'll do 
is I'll go through his offensive game, stuff I like, stuff I don't like, his defensive um, prospect, what I like, what I don't like, what I think are likely outcomes, you know, ceiling, floor, uh, median type deal. And then do I think he makes sense for the Cavs? So on the offensive end, he has... He has the potential to be a really good three-way scorer in this league. He did show a decent amount of it at Georgia. Um, he's really effective going downhill. That's when he is at his best. He was in the 81st percentile in the country uh, in transition shooting at 58.7% per Synergy Sports. And, you know, that's that's kind of his MO with his athleticism and his build. Once he gets going downhill, he's he's a hard dude to stop, like, one guy most likely is not going to impede his progress from getting to the basket. Um, but with that being said, he didn't get a ton of that at Georgia. You know, Georgia was very young and average team with not an ample amount of playmaking and shooting. So the complementary pieces really weren't there for Edwards. And, you know, you get that a lot in college. Guys aren't really developed. And, I mean, Georgia's never really been a basketball school anyways. I think if I'm not mistaken, he chose to stay close to home and uh, be near his family and kind of play for his uh, his town and stuff like that. But, uh, the like I said, the best outcome is when he's aggressive and gets to the basket. It leads to more points than not. You know, whether he's getting fouled and and one, a, you know, a layup or kicking out to an open shooter. And in the NBA, that'll be, you know, knocked down uh, more times than not versus in college. He's a streaky jump shooter at this point. Um, what I found through my uh, kind of digging is where he was most effective percentage-wise was kind of the long two area, you know, the 17-foot to, to the three-point line. I think he shot around 50% on those jumpers. Um, it wasn't any crazy volume. I think it was on like 40-ish attempts, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that... I mean, that shot has been kind of exiled in today's game. Rightfully so, the percentages for the value isn't great, but there is still value in being a two-way score, or a three-level score, excuse me. Um, it's, it's what separates good from great offensive players, and with the exception of James Harden, before you guys get at me, um, I understand how lethal James Harden is. I'm a James Harden fan, but he's really he's really the outlier when it comes to elite scores not having, we're not being willing to shoot the ball at all three levels. Um, and with that, I don't think, you know, it's not recipe for success long-term, right? I mean, the Rockets have come close how many times now and just can't get it done, whether it be injuries or their own shortcomings. Um, but yeah, his ability to get his pull-up off is, I think, next to none in this class. Um, you're so worried about him blowing by you and getting to the rim. You're willing to give him that shot. So whether it's a hesitation pull-up or like a one-two punch dribble into a pull-up, like he's going to get that every time if he wants it. Um, yeah, and again, that's one of the things you kind of have to deal with. But as he works on his craft and really gets in the gym, doesn't have to worry about class, stuff like that, I think it's reasonable to believe he, he will develop that and he's going to be He's going to be one hard dude to guard if, you know, if my projections will relay properly. And, uh, yeah, he's he's just a killer inside, and I think he has the ability to be a really high-level three-way scorer uh, at the next level. 
I'm I'm not going to kill him for his percentages uh, because, as I said earlier, Georgia's not that good and they're really young and stuff like that. He wasn't getting many clean looks. And when I was looking at the numbers, he he shot more contested shots than open shots, right? But his percentages on the contested shots were was better. I don't really know what to make of that. I'm just going to assume that because he got more looks that were contested, he's going to knock down more of them. Um, but yeah, it's and he seemed to shoot a little bit better when he was on the move than just standstill. I'm assuming it's more of a rhythm motion thing since he's used to having the ball in his hands so much. But, you know, we'll see that at the next level depending on the situation he gets in. Um, but I think he could have the rookie season in the same ilk of like Tatum and Mitchell that we saw a couple of years ago to where you can tell they could play in college, but they weren't great shooters at the time. In the college floor... In the, in the college game, the floor is not spaced really at all. So the nature of the NBA game is going to really benefit guys like that. And I think Anthony Edwards can have a similar result. I'm I'm excited to see what happens when he has proper playmaking and um, floor spacing around him. And also, I think gravity is a real thing, right? We talk about that so much with Steph and, uh, and Trey Young. And players like that, and by no means was is Edwards a good shooter at this point. He shot twenty nine percent on I think it was like two hundred forty five three point attempts this year, and that's not good. Like no matter how you slice it, it's not good. He shot like seven point seven attempts a game, I believe, and made like I don't know two point three two point seven something like that. So again, not great, but you can't just leave him open like. He's that good to where if you leave him open, he's going to hit shots, whether that's behind the arc or he's going to penetrate kick out or he's going to find his way to the basket. When you're that talented, you can't just forget about somebody. And I think that has value in a class that's not, that doesn't have a lot of prospects that are projected to have kind of an all star ceiling. You know, there may be four or five guys, maybe, in this class that have that. And Edwards is definitely at the top of that list. Um, he's an underrated playmaker, in my opinion, and by no means is he a lead guard handling the ball. He's not an initiator or anything like that. But I think his vision does get overlooked a little bit, and watching games, there were some passes he made where I'm like, wow, that's 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 an NBA pass. That's a high-level pass. And I again, I think that has value in a guy that, Sometimes gets tunnel vision, but he's aware of his surroundings when he has the ball. He's not just kind of how we saw with you know Jordan Clarkson do a decent amount when he was here. He just put his head down, drive to the baseline, and pull up for a jumper. Um, his assisted turnover ratio wasn't good either. It was like a 1.1. He had, I think, 91 assists and 87 turnovers, if I'm not mistaken. If I am wrong, someone please correct me, but... You know, that's not good. I mean, but for what he's going to be asked to do, I think that that's not going to be a huge deal. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think, I think people, like I said, I think people really underrate his, um, his playmaking and I think it'll, it'll surprise some people going forward. Um, and overall, 
there's a lot to like with Anthony Edwards. Um, the idea of him is really good. And we saw that sometime, you know, a decent amount this year. Sometimes he'd explode for, you know, thir- I, I know that he scored like 36 against Michigan State early in the year. But funny enough, when he scored like th- over 30, I don't think Georgia won a single game, which is weird. Um, I don't know if that has to do with, you know, the type of shots he was taking or just, again, his team not being that good. Um, but with that being said, we're going to transition into the stuff I don't love. Um, as I was mentioning, his willingness to take the pull of jumpers, I think that's good, but there has to that has to be in moderation, right? Um, he settles for jumpers more than I'd like, more than I'm comfortable with, honestly, and it's it's really frustrating to watch. Um, he's so physically impressive, he can attack way more than he does and put more pressure on the defense, but I think part of it is him being used as a decoy and um, him playing so much. There are possessions he just takes off to where... He, he just doesn't touch the ball. He just roams around the three-point line and kind of catches his breath. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's just frustrating. It bails out the defense. And he took almost as many threes as he did two-point attempts. He took 260 two-point attempts and 245 three-point attempts. Don't love that. He's, again, a under 30% shooter. And it's, it's just not good to shoot that much volume if you're not (laughs) that good of a shooter um yeah it's i don't know it's it's kind of the he falls into the three-point trap of you know this day and age um but i don't know i like to believe that he, he will get better going forward but right now it's just not necessarily there maybe as he gets more space and gets more open looks he'll knock down more shots but at this moment he's not a huge threat um he's not going to kill you off like pin downs or anything like that you're not going to necessarily run plays for him to come off screens and get open looks you're going to want him to get to the hoop so just not his strong suit at this point and um he's just he's not a primary initiator i don't know how effective he'll be if he doesn't have kind of a pass first point guard kind of like alonzo or some or someone in that um kind of world uh, that's part of the reason why I don't think the Cavs are a great fit for him. But, yeah, it's he's kind of like Colin Sexton in that sense where he's used to having the ball a lot. He's going to put up a lot of shots. And, yeah, it's going to be tough to create separation when you play like that, right? I mean, when Kyrie was here, the team was bad. And Kyrie would just pound the ball into the floor. He'd score, but there would be no defense played. And it seemed like the Cavs never have ever pulled away in those like three to four years Kyrie was here before LeBron came back and I don't want to say that it'll be the same for Edwards because he is better defensively than Kyrie like much better but it's just so tough in today's game when you're a young scorer and you're put in a bad situation just you're just not going to win a lot of games and I think that goes against young players a lot and unfairly so a lot of times um when you're a top draft pick, you're getting put in a dysfunctional situation most of the time. So, yeah, I mean, there's more good than bad or things I don't like with Anthony Edwards, especially offensively. So getting into the defensive realm, um, 
Again, his tools help him out a lot. He really benefits from his strength and his length. He he can get guys off their spot pretty easily. And when he's engaged, he was, I think, in like the 98th percentile in on-ball defense um, this past season. He has quick feet, really strong long arms. He can he makes it really tough for guys to get clean looks on him. And, uh, yeah, when he's engaged, it's it's really good. You're like, wow, that's, that's an impactful two-way player <laughs> at the next level. Um, and his numbers do get dragged down a little bit, again, because his situation wasn't very good. But not only on-ball is he aggressive, he is off-ball. And a lot of times that did lead to fast breaks and easy buckets for Georgia. Um, but that being said, he, w- he would go for the steal sometimes and wouldn't come away with it, and he wouldn't try super hard to recover either. And it would give the opponent uh, like a 4-on-5, or a 5-on-4, excuse me, and just not great if he didn't come away with it. The effort wasn't necessarily there. And that's kind of the same with on-ball too. Um, You know, it comes and it goes, the effort. I I get it. If you're, you know, a really good player on a very subpar team and you're playing all these minutes and taking all these difficult shots, it gets tiring, man. Like, you're not going to always put in the effort on either end, but more so defensively, because one, it, it's just, it's not as fun to play defense. I think we can all agree there. Defense is for nerds. Um, it's all about the offensive end. Um, but yeah, it's like a guy would get by him and he'd try and wrap around the backside and poke the ball away rather than, you know, slide his feet and get back in the play. And it's just lazy. It leads to fouls or just putting yourself out of position, putting your team in a bad spot. And I just, I hope that tendency kind of goes away but that a lot of that is also dependent on the situation he gets put in and the veterans he's around helping him develop habits and stuff like that so um he and one last thing I'll say defensively he doesn't always box out and put a put a body on somebody I mean who does really at this point especially guards but it is just something of note because he is so strong and if he puts anyone at his back, like they're not gonna get around him unless they're big. Even like a lot, of, some threes and fours in this league will struggle to get around him. They'll have to go through him. You know that leads to a foul. So that's kind of the prospect breakdown of his game. And uh, after the break, I'll get into what I think his ceiling, his floor, and his kind of more median outcome is. And then, do I think he's a good fit for the Cavs or not? I will see you guys on the other side. So, we are back, um, getting right into things again. Uh, So, the potential outcomes for Anthony Edwards, in my humble opinion. So, we'll start out with the low end, first of all. I think that is more of a high-end bench player, low-end starter. I think he's an NBA player. I think we can all agree with that at this point. I think his skill set is too good, and he he can defend, so I think... That, I'm, that makes him valuable, so I think that that makes him an NBA player just from that alone if he never gets any better. But maybe like a Jordan Clarkson type. I know Jordan Clarkson doesn't play defense, but just kind of in that ilk, like a six-man, um, a streaky shooter that never really improves a ton percentage-wise, still takes volume but doesn't improve with the efficiency part of it and doesn't fully buy in defensively, just kind of again puts more value in the offensive end that six-man role so he wants to save his energy for that 
and doesn't really put in the work defensively. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. So getting into the high end, I think it's I think it's pretty up there. I think it's a Bradley Beal type, um, one of the best shooting guards in the league. Can hurt you, can really hurt you from all three levels, and will defend in big situations. Look, like no, no, but almost nobody defends all the time, except maybe like Pat Bev and like Marcus Smart. But th- they're exceptions. They're kind of dogs, kind of old school guys at this point in a very new school and kind of. Let's be honest, kind of a soft era. So, yeah, when the game's on the line, he'll buy in and he'll, you know, he'll take the best uh, player on the other team. And I think he has a good chance to lock him up with everything considered. So, you know, multi-time all-star, if he's in the East, obviously it's a lot harder in the West. But I think wherever he goes, he'll break through as an all-star at some point, um, multiple times, to be completely honest with you. Um, but with that, with that being the high end, I think the most likely outcome and the most, I think reasonable is probably a step or two below that is like a Donovan Mitchell, you know, Victor Oladipo-esque. I think those are the two players that best resemble kind of what Anthony Edwards is good at and does at this point. Um, you know, again, high level starters, borderline all-stars, um, their jumper is a work in progress. It's not their biggest strength, but it continues to get better. It becomes a weapon, but is never their number one go-to. Um, you have to worry about the drive a lot more with those guys. And um, Edwards uh, can be the number two scoring option on a really good team, but on like a mediocre to bad team, he's the number one option. That's what we see from Mitchell. And even the Pacers, I mean, the Pacers are solid, but they just don't have scores really other than or primary scorers other than Oladipo. Um, but yeah, I don't. That's obviously a really good outcome in a draft class that projects to be pretty lackluster, to to uh to say the least. Not to uh, get too down on uh, anybody in particular, but and you know, good things generally take time, and I think that's kind of what we'll see with Edwards. I think he'll have he'll be good from the start. Um, he'll show he can score and defend in spots because he's so just physically imposing as a young guy. But, you know, no one really knows. Like, let's be honest here. It's such it's just rolling the dice at this point, and I can just give my best educated guess on what he'll be. So in kind of rotating into the final topic of the episode, the most important topic of the episode does he make sense for our Cavaliers? No, I I don't I don't really think he makes a ton of sense. And I I know you may say be saying James, why? Like you said he's the best prospect in the class. Like he can be a Bradley Beal level player. Why wouldn't we put that on the team? I will uh, I'll tell you why. Um if you pay attention to the Cavs at all, you know that we're pretty pretty backed up at the guard spots um and I know we're probably not committed to any of them long term at this point guys have shown flashes and stuff like that but so much can change um he Edwards is best suited as a two in like a small ball three in spots but he he's a two just like KPJ is a two um 
and I think they do a lot of similar things. They both need the ball to be most effective, and they are similar play styles in that they're best when they're attacking the basket. They're good off the dribble, but they're not great shooters at this point, and too much of the same thing is not a good thing. So I think that could stunt the uh, growth of probably both of them, honestly. And just thinking about potential lineups with Sexton, Edwards, and KPG on the floor is pretty exhausting, honestly. Thinking thinking about the playmaking, or lack thereof, realistically. Um, again, all three of them, you know, I kind of crap on them with the playmaking aspect. They're better than giving credit for, but they're by no means, like, even average. Uh because you need playmaking, like it's a thing. That's why, um, like I'll defend starting Garland and moving Sex into the bench because I think Garland, we've seen that he he has the vision that I don't think you can necessarily teach. I think you could teach it to an extent, in which we've seen with Sexton, his number, his assist numbers have gone up, and you can see it even when he doesn't get assists. If you watch the games, he's starting to slow down a little bit and make the right pass. But you can't really teach the feel for the game. And I think Garland just has a, a way better feel, to be completely honest. And I think Sexton would... I just think he's more of a six-man. You know, I got called stupid on Twitter the other day um, because I said that. Because he's averaging like 25 on a bad team or whatever. But that's, that's besides the point. <laughs> I won't even get into that. But I just... If the Cavs are at one and they don't have a good package to trade back, you know, would I be mad at this? No, like, you can never, I don't think, especially with the where the Cavs are at, you can't have too much talent. Um, I just don't know at this point where they're at. Like, if they're drafting for fit or just best available at this point, you know, you can argue either way, but I do have faith in the young guys and the veterans around the team to where I think you can draft more so for fit, and I don't think Edwards is a great one with the current roster construction. But again, if you get the number one pick, I think you do have to take him just because I, I think he's just he's just better than everyone else. Um, and it's not like the Cavs are like a six seed that will get lucky into the lottery or are one scoring guard away from being good. Like, <laughs> there are quite a few pieces away from being, like, contender. Or, contenders, there are a lot of pieces away from being contenders, but being competent. Like, that's all we can really hope for at this point is getting to competency. I know that's not fun, That's or that's not sexy, but being, like, a 38-win team, that there's value in that, especially since we've been so bad without LeBron. Like... Just making the steps forward would be really good and really encouraging. And, I mean, winning games is fun. If we win, like, 36, 37 games and are competitive, like, that's going to be fun. I think we can appreciate that considering how bad this team has been without LeBron James on it. So, yeah, like, I just, guys, I just don't know. Like, everything is just so tough to analyze with this team just because the roster is so weird and we don't know what they're doing like what their plan is going forward 
Like, are we going to re-sign Tristan? Are we going to trade Drummond at the deadline? Are we going to move on from Garland or Sexton? Like, what is going to happen? Like, I just don't know. Like, we have a bunch of guards and a bunch of centers. Like, I don't... (laughs) I don't get it. But we can only do with what we have. So... You know, on that note, I'm just going to wrap it up. Like, you guys don't need to listen to me ramble anymore. And I don't want, I don't want to get frustrated thinking about the Cavs roster construction because I could go on forever about that. But thank you, thank you, thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I will be putting up another poll on Twitter to see who you guys want me to break down next. And that episode should be up within the next week or so. I do. It will take some time because I do have to actually watch the film on these guys, not just watch highlight tapes. So that will be up within the next seven-ish days or so. But again, if you haven't followed me on Twitter at underscore everything Cavs, I'll interact with. You. Like if you guys want to interact or talk, just DM me, or we can just talk on the timeline and you know just talk hoops or whatever. I, I love doing that stuff, especially in a time where there's not a bunch to do. Even more so, I'll appreciate it. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, great rest of your night, whatever. Uh, and with everything going on, please be safe. Please don't be stupid and, like, go in really crowded spaces or going on spring break with, you know, 2,000 people there. Just be safe so we can get basketball back and so we can maybe enjoy a summer bit, like a summer break. So I will catch you guys on the next one. Be safe. Peace.